Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and from the Big Apple in New York City, but not today because my co-host Adrian Gruberg from New York can't make it again. Boy, I tell you, when you get older, you just have too many doctor appointments and they take up your time. Can't do your radio show. <laughs> but welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com. Also coming to you live on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio podcast networks and 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio. I won't go on because it's a long list. In fact, we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today author of I've Got Some Good News and Some Bad News, your old tales of a geriatrician, what to expect in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond, senior, uh, Dr. David Bernstein. And I, I always love a guy named David because I never met a man named David I didn't like. And he's a highly respected, award-winning physician, board certified in internal medicine and geriatric Dr. Bernstein is a graduate of Albany Medical College, not too far. Well, yeah, it is too far from Times Square. You're way up north. And is an associate clinical professor at the University of South Florida College of Medicine. But before we get started, I do want to thank my last, my last week's guest, author of How to Live Longer Without Growing Older. Learn how to put your longevity back in your control. Karen Owak's message, your age is a given, growing old is a choice. Kind of similar to your message, doctor. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 26 global networks I mentioned earlier. Okay, enough of that. Doctor, welcome to the show. <laughs> Dave, it's a pleasure to be here. You are in Florida. I think that's what you said. Correct. Tampa Bay area. Tampa Bay. Okay. I always like to ask my guests, just who is Dr. David Bernstein and why was he placed on this earth? Why don't you start with that one? Well, um, I live in the Tampa Bay area, but I grew up not far from where your picture is in Times Square. I grew up on Long Island ah. and um, I was raised by my parents and my dad was a combat wounded World War II veteran and an immigrant to this country from Poland. Wow and uh, lost his father when he was 16. And he taught me about determination, survival, success. Uh, and those were incredible traits for him to teach me. Yeah. Um, my mother taught me that loving your grand your parents, and in my case, my grandparents, was important. And she became very frustrated with the care her parents got when they aged she told me if i was going to become a doctor and she said you should become a doctor it was kind of one of those things in the family don't go into the business become a doctor um 
that I need to be very nice and good to my older patients because she's experienced that. Uh, <laughs> when I was in high school, um, somehow a National Geographic magazine found its way into my hands. And on the cover of 1973, December, was a centenarian. I read that and devoured that article. And I've remembered it. I found through the the way you can do things on um, the Internet. I found the cover picture, read it again. And I was intrigued by how people can live to be 100. And I set my goals as um, if I'm going to be a doctor and my mom wants me to be nice to old people, I'm going <laughs> to learn about old people and centenarians. Um, and it's been the, my purpose throughout my life. And at my high school graduation, the commencement speaker was a graduate from 10 years earlier, and he became a writer. So he added one more thing that I wanted to accomplish in life, and that's right. So. Oh. I went to college in the Midwest, which was really great. And I went to medical school in Albany, New York. Uh, and I migrated to Florida, where my parents had, had eventually settled after leaving New York. And I practiced uh, internal medicine and geriatric for 40 years. And um, lo and behold, I found myself in a senior citizen area. Uh, some people call maybe St. Petersburg, God's okay. waiting room. But <laughs> I took care of loads of older adults and learned what made them tick. And and there was an extra little beneficial dividend from all of that being on the West Coast is that I got a lot of people from the Midwest and they were a whole, bot, whole bunch easier than taking care of people from the Northeast. So um, I thrived down um, in this area. Wow. Yeah, you are surrounded by your patients. Tell me about uh, yourself and what a geriatrician does for those of you out there who don't know. Well, my, my training was I went to medical school and then did an internship and residency. And I specialized in geriatrics, which is the care of older adults. And what I learned in observing my mother and her and my, my grandparents and lots of other people who were aging is it requires a special attention. It's like a juggler, but instead of juggling one or two balls, it's like juggling eight or 10 at a time because as people age, they acquire more and more chronic diseases. And I really like that challenge. Uh, you know, if I were a dermatologist and I only had to take care of one thing at a time, I think I would be rather bored. But I really like the challenge of, of that. And I did have an interest in aging. So uh, whatever gerontology courses I took in college prepared me for the social, the social stuff that goes along with getting older. So it wasn't just the diseases, it was how people had their lives outside of their illness, how they interacted with their family and their friends. And um, I had I had an opportunity, I was a front row to individuals who aged well, and I could ask them any question I wanted and incorporate it into my visit. And 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 those were things that were helpful for me. But but what I also found is that it showed that it was really interested in them. So they really loved me when I would ask them questions <laughs> about their kids or their grandkids or, yeah, what, a or change. what made them tick. And, and, and I was able to incorporate a whole bunch of that into what I've discovered is some of the tricks of the trade of, of aging well. Yeah. Oh, when you talk about, you know, uh, living into your 60s, 70s and 80s, I didn't know how old you would be, but uh, you're obviously not in your 80s, right? I'm not in my 80s. Oh, good, good. In my mid-60s. 
So how did you learn about uh, the 70s and the 80s, just from your patients? Um, well, I kept up on literature, and I read that article in 1973, which said everything I needed to know. Um, but um, I did have this great opportunity. Well, I would speak in the community, and I would uh, ask the, the guests in the audience, uh, you know, what is your secret to success? Because these people were in their 80s, and they drove there, and they were social and all that. And, and, and I, I would listen, and I condense it down to five items. There were five things that these people consistently said. Um, and they're the following. Uh, I'm going to say it really fast. And I assume that's it. what one of your book titles is, is, The Five Things. Five Things. Thing. Well, I have, I have two books, and they each have five things. So in my first book, I've got some good news and some bad news. You're old. Uh -huh. uh, five <laughs> things were the acronym GRACE. And, and the reason is I have five fingers in my hand, and most people can only remember five things at a time. Uh -huh. So I really pretty much limit it that way. But there were five things, and, and these audiences and my patients told me the five things over and over again. Um, they didn't spell it out to me like grace, G-R-A-C-E, but I con condensed it to that. So the people who had these great existence had a goal or a purpose in their life. They they knew what they wanted to do. They, they served other people. Uh, they had passion for what they did, um, and it made them a better, better people. Yeah. The second thing is they all knew something about their DNA and their roots. And, and so roots, DNA... Um, I got bad DNA. I'm going to do something about it. I have good DNA. I'm going to really protect it and, and do things to maintain my health. They had a positive attitude. But in addition to the positive attitude was gratitude and kindness. So, you know, my ideal patients, and if they were listening to me now, they'd say, he's talking about me. <laughs> um, they were re retired Salvation Army officers. So they moved to this area. Uh, they had served people all their lives, and they continued to do that. They, they, they aged incredibly well. Um, they were incredibly grateful for what I offered them. Um, and they had the next letter in, the, in, in Grace C. They had companionship. They surrounded themselves with their friends, and they interacted well with one another, and they went to church together, and they had dinner after church, and, and they were a community. And, and they supported one another, even, even though they, they tried to break HIPAA, HIPAA compliance. They would ask about how their patients were doing and how things were going. So they were really concerned about one another, and their companionship was really something spectacular. And then the final letter in grace is E, and, and I use E for environment how you interact with your environment, both your inside and your outside. So yeah. put yourself outside in a nice uh, garden or in a, in a forest and hike and be with nature. That has favorable things, but, but so does what you put in your body, how you eat, how you exercise. And I'll go into greater detail about that in terms of my power of five formula, but yeah. it's, it's how you take care of yourself. And so people are living a long time, longer than they ever have before, right? And so that's why we're seeing, I assume, these dementia, Alzheimer's. You know, I had to care for my mother who had dementia, my mother-in-law, uh, now my mother's sister uh, dealing with that. And, you know, of course, I'm concerned that uh, is this heredity? Am I going to? So I went and got uh, the early test, you know, and I did that for like three years, every six months. And he says, well, I have some good news and bad news for you. <laughs> he said, uh, your 
uh, you didn't fail. That was the good news. <laughs> but you're very close to that borderline. Oh. And then about that time, I started doing, you know, the TV shows and speeches, uh, going on the road. And um, it started getting better. They said, oh, it's improving, you know. But you're still very close to the line. And so um, there's no guarantee that, that if we do your grace that everything's going to be fine. But does it increase the odds? I mean, I hate crossword puzzles, but I'm speaking a lot. I'm on television a lot. I, tr I try to memorize a lot of things. Very hard to memorize, but I do it anyway. What's your advice for guys who have uh, a lot of people in the family who have dementia and they're trying to just let it miss them? Well, I got to unravel that whole little thing there. But um, <laughs> the, the the first thing it goes, it does go back to roots. You know, if if you have what I said about roots was if you have bad roots, do something about it. If you have good roots, polish them and take good care of them. Um, I'll say one little thing about that is if you have really good roots, uh, you should avoid going up on roofs and ladders and putting yourself in situations where you're going to have an accident and throw off those horrible roots. Uh, but if you have bad roots, do something about it. And so my grace formula was all about what I observed and what science has shown. Yeah. But I went back to the drawing board to answer your question of what can a person do who has those risks? And and that's where I came up with my my book, The Power of Five, or my Power of Five formula. So there are going to be five things coming right at you in a second, Dave, uh -huh. uh, about five things uh -huh. that you and your audience can do to, I'll use the word insulate themselves or reduce their risk. Uh, I'm real careful about not using the word prevent or um, eliminate <laughs> the possibility. But the more a person can do, the more they can insulate themselves from what might be inevitable. And and science has proven this in, in different studies in all of these different realms. And, and you, as an example from what you just told me, is you do one of the things that's really good, is you challenge your brain. Uh, it's not easy to have a podcast. It's not easy no. to be on script. It's not easy to be sitting in a Zoom presentation and interviewing someone and, and having to be prepared. Um, so you challenge yourself, you travel, you talk to people, um, you're on television, you do these programs. It's an amazing thing. And, and it's one of the things I've challenged myself with also. It wasn't easy to be in practice and publish five or four books in the last five years or last 10 years of my practice. But I knew that was one of the ways of taking care of myself. It's also not necessarily easy to be out here uh, doing um, podcasts and talking to people and I do it because I really enjoy it. I really enjoy spreading the word of what I've learned, but also the challenge of doing it. So sure. if I could, I'll, I'll, I'll finish the, the five things that people can do. Um, I made this one even easier because they all begin with the letter S. Avoid sweets, avoid stress, get more sleep, sweat, and sex. <laughs> so all five S's. Like and so, that. you know, it's, uh, avoid sweets. Well, sugar is really bad for your brain. 
and it's bad for your waistline and it's bad for lots of things. But but one of those five of those five things, what they have in common is um, they're all related in one way or another to the people who have cancer, heart disease and neurodegenerative disease. So and those are the most common things that we see in, in our society. Those are the things that I dealt with every day. And and the one unifying thread through all that was inflammation. So that's the inflammation in our body. It's like getting a splinter in your finger. So if you get a splinter in your finger, your body's going to reject it. It's going to put out some of these uh, neurohormonal chemicals um, to extinguish the flames from the splinter. The the sources, the obvious thing is remove the splinter. But inflammation causes vascular disease. It causes dementia. It's related to cancer. So we want to reduce inflammation. So the five things that I report uh, for, for people to do are avoid sweets. So that means sugar, car- starches, carbohydrates. It also means eating a healthy diet, either a Mediterranean diet or um, a vegetarian or vegan diet tends to be the, the ones that are most helpful and protective of the brain. And and sugar is, is really an, a, a bit of a toxic chemical to the brain so um even natural sugar in fruit uh well if you eat sugar in fruit it's surrounded by fiber so the fiber basically insulates the sugar from all of those negative horrible things that that happen but it's the sugars that are added to processed foods or uh added sugar to things that people think are healthy like yogurt with added sugar (laughs) it's you know it, it contradicts and and it contradicts the the health benefits of of that right. and and cereals and um that kids eat for breakfast are loaded with sugar and they become addicted to them and then that goes on through life and and it, it brings me back to one of the things you mentioned that people are living longer well for the last yep. two years we've we've seen life expectancy rates drop yeah and it was and, sad to hear that reagan ronald reagan the president you know, uh, succumb to this because I don't know anyone more positive than him. And, you know, I assume he was uh, healthy. But uh, getting back to sugar, we're putting on uh, caregiver wellness retreats to get caregivers, you know, out of their environment and take them to Acapulco, where there's a live-in chef. We I just came back from three weeks in Acapulco, where we ate nothing but gluten-free and sugar-free food. And it was very tasty and very gourmet and very glamorous. Uh, And I usually put on a lot of weight when I go on a cruise or anything. But in three weeks eating that food, I did not gain one ounce. And it was it was good food. Loved eating it. It was very tasty. So yeah, you're you're proving my point is that you can eat healthy, it can be tasty. um, And, and particularly, you know, when we talk about caregivers, I mean, caregivers, there's at least 50 million caregivers in this country, and they're unpaid. And they're very stressed. So part of the Power of Five formula addresses the need for these caregivers to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Because if they have a crisis, they have their health crisis, the party's over. The whole thing collapses down upon itself. And and that's that's a terrible outcome. And and, uh, one of the statistics I've heard is 30% of caregivers succumb before their care recipients do. So it becomes... You, it's kind of like when, as a doctor, I, I kept myself in shape. I trained. I kept my strength training. I took care of myself because it was a, a physically demanding job. It, it was demanding even though I was sitting down. 
So it was doing this research for the power of five that I also said, mm, there's some things here that I'm not doing as well for myself. And, and I, I can and will do better. Yeah. Um, eating. And so eating is one of those five things. And I'll, I'll just reiterate the, the point that people with Alzheimer's dementia and, and maybe all dementias as well do really bad with sugar. They yeah. crave sugar, but sugar has that toxic element on the patient with a neurodegenerative disease. And that's one of the things they should avoid. And, and, you know, kudos to you for having good food prepared for the people who come to your retreat because it's so important it's so important for them to eat it but also learn that it can be tasty and they can apply it in their own lives yeah unfortunately you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink it it's it's one of the hardest things i have found trying to get a caregiver to take care of themselves you know they just are inclined to give 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 until there's nothing left to give and then they burn out you know the old analogy of put your oxygen mask on first but, you know, I haven't given up on them, even though some of them uh, are, are very stubborn. <laughs> well, I, I can only say you can you can plug away and make some recommendations. And of the five, if people can pick two or three of them and start making some headway in, in terms of the other elements that I'll that I'll get into in a minute, um, the, it, 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 it gets worth it. I mean, I can't imagine anybody's going to leave your 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 week retreat with nothing that they do something. <laughs> so the, but but the, we got to the get them there first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the second element is stress. Avoid stress. Yep. And so, um, for younger people who are on a job, um, they might have to leave their job if the job is really stressful, or have a discussion with their superiors and make the job better. But if you can't do those things, the addition of being mindful or learn meditation techniques that um, are being found more and more mainstream and in Eastern medicine and Western medicine and lifestyle medicine, that your guest that you had last week, um, Karen, was all about lifestyle medicine and taking a lifestyle approach. And it's similar to, to the philosophy that I have is that you, you work on your lifestyle, work within your realm, at least. Yeah. So the, the third thing, and these are things you can do, incorporate is sweat, which is exercise. And there's a wide variety of exercises. And hopefully on your retreats, people get an opportunity to see all kinds yeah. of different things that people can do. There's sure. walking and there's jogging and there's and swimming. There's a tennis court. Uh, there's riding uh, your bike. Uh, a lot of things to do. Stre um, strength training is, is another because you want to have better muscle mass because muscle mass will help reduce risk of falls, which is another thing that can cause a downward spiral. Um, doing things that incorporate your brain. So compound exercises like, like doing a squat and then standing up and doing a bicep curl and then pushing your hands over your head and counting and doing six of those and then six of something else and, and rotating around keeps your brain engaged also. And it's an important component. I, I've also done spinning classes. I've done Pilates. I've done Tai Chi. All of these things are um, worthwhile um, to at least taste and and uh, sample to see what will fit into your lifestyle. Yeah. What about that person saying, oh, no, it's too late for me. Is it ever too late? It's never too early and it's never too late. And, and 
I say it in every one of my presentations, so thanks for asking. And and, and also, it's it's basically true. And research has shown that even if you start exercising after the age of 60, you will tack on more years of life than if you didn't. Yeah. So it's never too late. Uh, I wish I could get my kids who are in their mid to late 30s to take my experiences to heart. Um, they do some of those things, but but they don't embrace all of those things that I do. And it's like, well, those are your kids. What can you do? Yeah, and it's not just their life that they're, you know, jeopardizing. It's when something happens to their parents. Now, all of a sudden, they have to become a caregiver. And that can put a crimp in their lifestyle, can it? You're you're absolutely right. And you've seen that. So, you know, if if you're not to, if if a 30 or 40 year olds not taking care of themselves and then they can't take care of a, a, a parent when the parent is in need. And then you got to really scramble around to find that um, that source of caregiving. I'm, I'm sure it's a subject that's come up for you. In, yeah. And, and they, should, they should also encourage their parents because maybe their parents, you know, are not as educated as the boomers and the uh, millennials on health because, you know, still eating sugar. They're still overweight. They still got that beer belly. And so maybe the uh, the adult children of those parents can maybe take them to a, a gym and say, hey, let's join a gym together. Hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that. Knowing that if they don't, motivate their parents to change their ways, then they're going to be a burden on them one day. You're absolutely right. And it it's a sad commentary on society. Um, I don't, I, some, you know, we may get into it a little too deeper, but I, but I think people don't have enough skin in the game yeah. and, and don't see what you just talked about. It's yeah. like, it's a really, in a positive way, it's a really selfish thing. If, a child says to their parents, take better care of yourself because <laughs> I don't want to get stuck with it, you know, in six years. Yeah, well, that's the caregiver scenario, you know, role reversal. The parent becomes the the uh, child and the child becomes the parent. And that's that's a sad, sad commentary. So we got sleep. People mm -hmm. don't get enough sleep. Seven to eight hours of sleep every night. If you have sleep apnea, get it fixed. <clears throat> because it You know, the average caregiver only gets two or three hours. I don't know how that happens. I can't survive on that. Yeah. Well, figure out how to get little pieces in there. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing is the letter S for sex. Well, sex is, is also about socialization and community and companionship. And one of the things that you know from your loneliness, from your your work, yeah. is that the opposite of intimacy is isolation and and uh, loneliness. Right. That's a health hazard. So when people are caregivers and all they're doing is caregiving, and it, it's a lonely job. And you know, at, at two o'clock in the morning when they're up and something's going wrong, they look around and go, I, "I'm only here by myself." So people will benefit from knowing how to ask for help, knowing how to uh, put together a plan so that um, they're not overburdened with all of this. Also, yeah. and, if, that, and if they don't have someone to have sex with, there's nothing wrong with doing it yourself, right? As long as um, you go through Dr. the Ruth, Dr. Ruth Westheimer and I <laughs> talked about that. But but um, that's true. And and there are ways even... even um, with some advanced illnesses where people can cuddle and people can have their intimate moments. And, and in, in our generation, the, the one you and I grew up in, um, 
intimacy is really important and talking about sex is, is really important, maybe a little less so in a younger generation. Mm-hmm. But um, that's an important ingredient in terms of how how this my whole power of five formula comes together. Because if, if you don't have that socialization and some levels of intimacy, it, it's hard to ravel and intertwine the, sure. the other S's of sleep and sweat and, and eating right and, and so forth. So um, it's a tight knit form. Formula. Those are my five S's, you know, and, and what I what I encourage people to do is incorporate them in their lives, even if it's one step at a time or one S and then another. Uh, ask, get buddies and have a buddy system where you can work out with someone or or, or talk about how you're going to eat right. Um, yeah. Study up on the Internet and find out the best ways of preparing food or the healthiest ways of preparing food. Um Life expectancies have gone down in the last few years. Some of it's because of um, COVID. Some of it's because of the opioid pandemic or epidemic. But the other is people aren't taking as good care of themselves. Um, they don't walk as much. They The portion sizes in restaurants have gone up and, and obesity rates have climbed. 50% of Europe is technically obese. And in the United States, it's not a 50%, but I'm told in the next 10 years, it will be. So we need to reverse in this country some of the things that are going on. Um, And it it goes back to the fact that, you know, you're involved in caregiving. And if you're not healthy, you can't be a caregiver. Right. Or you become the care recipient. Yeah. And diabetes is out of control as well. So, Doctor, how can our listeners reach you, find out how to get your book or, or whatever it is they want to ask you? Well, thanks for asking. My website is power of the number five, power of five life.com. They can reach me at David at power of five life.com. And on my website, we have some free recipe books for the holidays so that people oh. can register and, <laughs> and enjoy. Healthy uh, food, I'm assuming. Healthy food. My wife has put together some some really tempting recipes that are great around holiday time. I've written a free book called uh, Notes on Living Longer that's available when people visit my website. And um, in addition to my books, The the Power of Five, and uh, I've got some good news and some bad news, you're old. I I do have uh, a book about driving and I do have a journal that's available. All my books are available on Amazon. And I just recently released uh, a power of five course, a five plus hour uh, course that uh, in which I elaborate on the five things, giving lots of important ingredients about and instructions about what to do and the importance of each. So so I, I, I I did it as if I was talking to my patient or talking to a baby boomer. Mm. Here's why, here's what you can do. Here's the stress. Here's what you can do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are a wealth of information. And we appreciate it. Uh, remember, all our live shows become recorded pod and video casts on your favorite platforms. And my newly number one release book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, is changing lives all over the world, available wherever books are sold, and also on my free membership website, caregiverdave.com. And join my Caregiver Dave Facebook community of 34,000 caregivers, where you'll learn all about my new Acapulco Villa Caregiver Wellness Vacation that I'm offering to burned-out caregivers to keep as many of those 30% of them who die before their loved ones alive. 
And if you click uh, the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this interview on, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google's search engine algorithms. So thank you again to all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday and making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next time, next week, same time, same channel, may God richly bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody, it's Caregiver Dave here. CaregiverDave.com in beautiful Acapulco. Been here with Charlene for three wonderful weeks learning how to care for caregivers, putting on my own event to have caregivers come here in this beautiful Acapulco villa to rest, to relax, to recharge their batteries, to get some training for me, Caregiver Dave. And there's no substitute for getting away from your loved one's duties and responsibilities. Thank you. Over there? Uh, okay, over there. Over there. See, Thank come you. on. The food is amazing. The staff are at your beck and call. The rooms are wonderful. The pool is great. The view is great. I mean, what's not to love? And yeah. See the view. See the view. Uh, no, just carbonated water. Thank you. I mean, this is every caregiver's dream to get away <laughs> for a week. Seven wonderful, glorious days. And to be with other caregivers and to share their stories, to share their burdens, to share the, what they've learned to network with each other. It's almost like a therapy group. <laughs> and I have been wanting to do something tangible for caregivers, but it costs money. <laughs> but I've managed to find a beautiful villa down here owned by my mentor. And he's making it possible for me to bring 12, 14 caregivers up here for $3,995. I know that's a lot of money, and a lot of people say, I don't have that money. But you know what? You might have siblings, you might have parents, you might have children who do have that money. And they might feel very guilty that they can't help you because you have the burden of caring for this loved one. You were the chosen one for whatever reason. <laughs> because you have the compassion and the empathy and they don't, or you're geographically close to them and they're not. What a gift. I call it the gift of life because 30% of caregivers die before their loved ones do. And so these loved ones of the caregiver, not the ones they're caring for, but the relatives, the siblings, the parents, the, the friends, the people with money, people who are doing very well, the attorneys, the doctors, there are caregivers everywhere across us all geographic boundaries, across us all eco economic boundaries, across us all racial boundaries, across us all celebrity boundaries. And we want those people to send you on a vacation and to care for your loved one or pay for the ones to care for the loved one and obviously pay for your vacation. So I'm offering this. 
and the next one is going to be in May. And believe me, it's the gift of life. Just imagine what it's like being in paradise for seven days, waking up at noon <laughs> to a beautiful breakfast, a beautiful lunch, beautiful dinner. This is gourmet food. I've never tasted food like this in five-star restaurants. They have a, a live-in chef, and and uh, I, uh, I can't say enough for the service, for the food, for the quality, for the six-star service. And this is what every caregiver needs. And don't let money stop you from doing this, because you might not have the money, but you know somebody who does, somebody who should be participating in the care of your loved one, but for whatever reason they can't and they can participate financially to save your life. Because let's face it, if you die or become hospitalized and need a caregiver of your own, then those people are going to be forced to either care for that loved one or God forbid, put them in a nursing home and nine out of 10 of them, I wouldn't put my cat in. So if you are in a position to do this for your loved one, contact me, caregiverdave.com. God bless you, and think about it. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. Uh.